Hey everybody, Lou here. Before we get on with this next episode, I just want to remind you guys that this episode of Lou Reads is being sponsored once again by AdamandEve.com. And they're still offering the great deal of taking 50% off the highest priced item in your cart, giving you three free adult DVDs, a free mystery gift, and free shipping with your order. All you have to do is use the code Lou Reads when you check out all that stuff I just mentioned and the promise of erotic nights ahead. And while you're thinking about Lou Reads, make sure when you're finished listening to this episode, or during it, I know you can multitask, of tweeting about Lou Reads, or just telling the person next to you, hey, I'm listening to Lou Reads, whatever you want to do. Gotta get the word out there. My only way of doing that is by bugging you about it, and, you know, various other nefarious methods. Balloons with notes tied to them and things like that. Alright, enough jibber. And jabber. Let's podcast. Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why will why not? And today's what will be another wonderful thread from the pages of somethingawful.com's forum. Now, somethingawful.com, as you may know, is a comedy website with a very robust and active forum user base. And in the past, I have read wonderful threads from here. And today, I trust you will find this thread to be no different. And this thread in particular is especially about oversharing. And to find it, we would go to forums.somethingawful.com, subforum general bullshit, in a thread entitled, Cuts Like a Knife, Soul-Crushing Things People Have Said to You. And the original post by Yamsack Agonistes goes like this. Dig deep into the hurdy parts of your memories, goons. Let's share the most devastating, tragic, soul-crushing, or just plain mean things people have ever said to you. I'll start. Many years ago, I went to see a punk band play. After the show was done, I sat on the curb outside the venue smoking a cigarette. I was approached by a homeless guy who struck up a conversation. I offered him a smoke, and we ended up killing off my pack of cigarettes over the next hour or so as he sat there telling me his story. I don't remember his name, only that his friends called him quote-unquote big dog. His story brackets, assuming it was accurate, was a frank and tragic one of alcoholism, divorce, depression, and regret. I bought him a couple of sandwiches and a pack of smokes from the corner store, which he received with tears in his eyes. I shook his hand and told him to have a good night. He kind of half smiled at me and said, Hell, Yamsack, I haven't had a good night in about 20 years. Life's a bitch, ain't it? Smithface emoticon. And L. Jones writer adds, You have a great personality. I just don't date brown people. Sorry. And band member Lord Solitaire adds, I used to go to an Alabama baseball camp back when I was little and still into sports. I was a pretty fragile kid, so I'd usually cry and got picked on at some point there. One of these guys on the bus were being a dick to me, and I started to break down. Cue a coach, a guy in his 30s, I guess, coming over to me and telling me that he'd put up with my crap for years and he was sick of it. I was about 11 or 12 at the time. Never went back to the camp after that. Still makes me feel a bit bumped whenever I think about it, and it was years ago. And Luminous Cow adds, I was about 14 or 15. I was sitting in the living room playing Final Fantasy IX. My dad came out of his room and said, quote, You're going to grow up to be nothing. You're going to be a fat blob. You'll be nothing other than a fat piece of shit. My dad was a prick. And Weakness adds, In my final year of high school, I'd elevated my smart-ass clown routine to a pretty staggering level, resulting in one of my teachers, brackets theater arts, getting extremely angry with me. By the time I got her enraged enough to deliver her soul-crusher sentence, we'd already had a few terse run-ins where she had chewed me out hard. The final time was in a hallway between classes. I was walking by her, and I think I may have uttered some wise-ass comment at her. She spun around, pushed me up against the wall, and holding her hand against my throat with her face an inch from mine, she whipped 
whispered that I was a worm and a piece of shit and I'd have a terrible life someday. There was more to it. I recall her monologue taking about 30 seconds, but that was the gist of it. This probably should have been my entry for brackets for quote-unquote most soul-crushing thing a person has ever said to you, but the thing was this teacher was smoking hot and I had a big crush on her. The entire episode was highly erotic for me. And Leon Einstein writes, This really isn't that soul-crushing, but the incident popped into my head the other day, nearly 20 years after the fact, and I still got pissed thinking about it. I had five friends or so sleep over at my house, and we went swimming and hung out in the hot tub, and basically everybody had a good time. The plan was to go jet skiing and boating the following day. As we were getting ready to leave, my friend says, quote-unquote, Sorry, there isn't enough room on the boat, so you can't come. I was so pissed because these assholes spent all night and day at my house enjoying the hospitality of my parents, and then they pulled that shit. It was the decision of whichever parents owned the boat, but it still got me mad that I was the one excluded. And Faith Inc. writes, In my last year of high school, I managed to raise enough money to get into the school's trip to Europe. After the first day, I came down with a serious flu. That night, due to the schedule, we ended up at this restaurant right outside of Piccadilly Circus. Halfway through the meal, I was pretty sick and needed some air, so I got up and went outside for a walk. Halfway down the street, I ran into one of the street performers who stands there motionless for hours. I decided to drop a pound into his purse, but right when I bent down to drop the money... His hand shot out and grabbed my wrist. He looked at me right in the eye and said, Do you know why I do this? Do you care? This is all I have. Here I am the star on my little stage. This is all I have left. This makeup, this stupid wig, these stupid gloves. Everything else is gone. Everything. And then he let go of my hand and went still again. To this day, I'm still not sure if it was just some gimmick or if he was telling me the truth about his life. But the image of this poor old man dressed up as a broken street clown standing motionless on a box will haunt me forever. And Clamps McGraw adds, Sorry, Clamps. I know it's been a bunch of years and we were engaged and talking about houses and kids, but I have to give you this ring back because I'm actually in love with another man and it turns out I'm going to move in with him in a month's time and get engaged to him in another four and pretty much all your best friends and everyone in your social circle are invited to the wedding and you found out through the grapevine they think he's a better guy than you are anyway. And Edward underscore Lapine writes, I've been pondering a few things that could be good, but you reminded me of the one thing that affected me negatively. Gay male here, around 17, 18 at the time, lived with just my father. He knew about it, wasn't happy about it, but didn't kick me out of the house, brackets, yet. Something brought up marriage, and I asked my father if he would attend my wedding. Quote, unquote, if you ever have a wedding and you're with another guy, I will not attend it. Dealing with homosexuality in a rather white-only, conservative, quote-unquote, good old boy town as a teenager was a bit rough as it was, and coming home to my father was worse enough. Just Smith emoticon. Though, ironically enough, he got remarried, and I refused to attend his wedding. I didn't really feel close to this woman, brackets, big-time churchgoer, since she convinced my father to kick me out of the house at age 18, with only a 30-minute warning. Being homeless for like two weeks until a friend's family took me in until I joined the army. The more I think about it, this is more of a soul-crushing moment, rather than someone saying something soul-crushing. I'll think of something later. And Philodox writes, from my mother, quote-unquote, the doctor says four to six months. Twenty days after that, she died. It was December 26th. Edit. On a relationship note, a girl once said to me, Alan, you're the perfect guy. You're the kind of guy every girl wants but doesn't think she can get. Soul-crushing because she still rejected me. 
And Oz81 writes, Jumping on the quote-unquote dad is a prick wagon, my own dad told my mother when I was around 12, not knowing I was within earshot, that I would be, quote, a drug addict and an alcoholic just like me when he grows up, close quotes. That one stupid line is the reason I don't drink, have rarely done drugs, pot being the only drug, and never with any consistency, and don't speak to my father anymore. A couple of others. My stepdad, right after his mom, my gran on his side, passed away after fighting breast cancer for a couple of years. I asked if he was okay one night because he had been quiet, and he said, yeah. And maybe ten minutes later, walked up and said, I'm not really okay, and hugged me. We both pretty much broke down for a couple of minutes, but that was the first real time I'd ever see him get over-emotional. Hearing my mom on the phone from Illinois, at the hospital where my grandpa on her side was staying, his health was rapidly deteriorating, and he had some kind of hemorrhaging in his abdomen and was in a lot of pain, basically bleeding to death because the hospital couldn't perform surgery due to health issues from smoking and a triple bypass. I never want to hear my mom sound like that ever again. And lastly, finding out in eighth grade about one of my best friends passing away from an accidental gunshot wound in his home. He'd somehow unlocked his dad's gun cabinet and was messing with a 22 rifle when it went off and shot him in the left eye. That year was really depressing, although I was thankful that a lot of people I was classmates with were willing to talk and help me through it. Surprised me how many people I thought disliked me who ended up giving a friendly ear because they knew my friend and knew how much it affected everyone else who knew him. And Philodox adds again, I had a girl explain to me why no girl, brackets not just her, mind you, but no girl, would want to date me. She said I was a quote-unquote beer Buddha. That is, a guy girls have a beer with and complain about their current boyfriends to and get sage advice from. Obviously, a girl can't complain to me about her boyfriend if I am her boyfriend. Therefore, get used to a life of enlightened solitude. I'm glad she ended up being wrong about that. To be fair, she wasn't trying to be hurtful, and we're still good friends to this day. She still comes to me to complain and ask for advice, too. And in a reversal of the topic, MDS2 writes... I told my best friend's ex-wife that I hope she drops dead on Christmas morning in front of her children. And best tasting rights. In fifth grade, I had a very deep crush on a boy in my class, but he was so cool and popular, and I was the weird nerd with zero social skills. We weren't exactly meant to be. But then one day there was a note sitting on top of my desk, and it was from the boy. In the note, he confessed his feelings for me and asked me to meet him after class so he could ask me out. The boy of my dreams had finally looked past my bad haircut and baggy sweatsuit and saw the real me. I ran up to him after class and started excitedly babbling about how long I'd liked him, and this was so great, we get to be boyfriend and girlfriend, the horrified look on his face shut me up. Quote, Ew, no. Do you know how ugly you are? Everyone hates you. Close quotes. He and his friends chanted, Go away, ugly, over and over until I was out of sight. Turns out someone else had wrote the note to mess with me. The old self-esteem hasn't been the same since. And Orange underscore Lazarus writes, We were in gym brackets HS, and the kids next to me were talking about the James Bond marathon that was on TBS the night before, which I also happened to have been watching with my family. I talked to some of the kids that were in that group regularly, but to say the least, I wasn't really quote-unquote friends with any of them. I piped up and said something funny about a character in one of the movies. Brackets, I think it was Jaws. A couple of the kids laughed, but then one asshole quickly spoke up, quote, Remember when none of us were talking to you? That was nice. Close quotes. I quickly turned my head, tears rolled down my face, and I got up and slowly walked away. I heard someone in the group loudly say, quote unquote, WTF, man? Hey, Orange Lazarus, come back! But I was already gone. MS and HS were fucking hell. And Ford Prefect LL writes, Quote, unquote, you should never have put your harm's way for him. It's his choice that he's like this. Close quotes from my mother about my brother. 
Some guy was attacking my brother at a party because my brother is gay. He hit my brother, so I got involved and ended up kicking the guy's ass and getting arrested, but didn't get charged. My mother was livid and told me I shouldn't ever defend him again. Fuck that. I always will. And the Bible adds, In high school, I had high hopes of being a psychiatrist. A girl in my Latin class asked what I wanted to do after college, so I told her, and she said, quote, I just can't imagine anyone telling you anything personal. I did comp sci instead, which I hate. And Fishy Joe adds, The worst thing was probably when my mom got a phone call and started crying saying my sister was killed by a drunk driver. After a few minutes of me being stunned, she told me it was for one of those dare type things at school and she wasn't dead. I should have punched her in the mouth. And Azrueli writes, My stepdad used to constantly bear down on me and tell me I was going to become a worthless mooching leech and that he could see me becoming a pedophile just like my incarcerated great uncle. This started when I was 14 and seriously fucked with my self-esteem all the way through high school. When I was 16, he had a one-sided discussion with me saying things like, Everyone in your family hates it when you talk. They always tune you out because you have nothing interesting to say. And, I can't stand the fact that I have to live with you. When am I going to get back my life? I was coming off a pretty depressing breakup that happened then, so I just walked into my closet, closed the door, and cried as silently as I could. And Oz81 adds again, Almost forgot a couple from when I was in my teens. Repressed memories suck. 1. My grandma on my dad's side slowly succumbing to Alzheimer's shortly after my grandpa's death in 97. I visited her a couple of times, the last was in 02, when she was hospitalized for other health-related issues. She smiled and talked with me while I was there. I ended up seeing her four times during the week. After I flew back home, my dad called up and told me she had no recollection of me visiting or talking to her, and kept sadly asking, when is Oz coming to visit? I noticed and was sort of prepared for it, since over the previous two years I saw she'd have the deer-in-the-headlights look in her eyes when I came to the house, and it took her over a minute to recognize me. Alzheimer's fucking sucks. Frowny face emoticon. Junior high, having a friend of a friend spread nasty rumors about me being some kind of a pervert peeping Tom. I had no idea what was going on. Having just come into school after being on vacation for a week in New York, lived in NE at the time I was in junior high. Guys threatening to kick my ass, girls calling me creepy slash gross slash sicko, etc., and friends asking me if the rumors were true. Took a long time afterwards to gain people's trust, but I ended up having to speak with a police officer about it. Nothing went on my record. I had a plane ticket stub as proof that I wasn't in town when the incident supposedly happened. Plus, I lived about five miles away from her. Even after the girl in question got in trouble for the rumor, people still didn't believe me and took her side, and it really fucked with my self-esteem and being able to trust anyone. Don't know what happened outside of her having to issue an apology to me and my family. She transferred to a different school shortly afterwards. And uh, OP author Yamsak Agonistes writes, Many moons ago, I was having sex with my girlfriend at the time. It was one of the first few times we had done it, and all was going well. Then I arrived at the finish line, and the following transpired. Don't forget to pull out. Aw, oh, yeah, girl. Where do you want me to spray my thick, creamy man broth? Asterix. Ew, not on me. Gross. Get it away. Do it on a towel or something. So I did. Her stinging rebuke of my bodily fluids along with the disgust in her voice, made that the loneliest orgasm ever. Asterix. This is a dramatization of the incident. I likely phrased it much more eloquently. And nine fingers adds. My dad lived in Ottawa, and I lived in Montreal. About a year ago, when I hadn't heard from him for a few days, and his work said he hadn't been in lately, I asked one of his friends in the area to check on him. About an hour later, I got a call telling me there was no response from inside the apartment, but the TV was on, and I had to give permission to the police to break down the door. That was pretty soul-crushing. The funeral was a week later. And Kurna adds, 
My father told me that he regretted ever meeting my mother and having me and my brother and sister when I was 16. That was almost 10 years ago, and that was the last thing he ever said to me. A few choice quotes over the years when I was a child, quote-unquote, you are probably the ugliest kid in town, quote-unquote, you shouldn't bother with sports because you're worthless at it, and quote-unquote, I fuck whores because your mother sucks in bed. Fuck you, Dad. And pseudophile ads, you're a child of rape. The only reason you weren't flushed down the toilet is because we're Catholic. I hate you. I hate looking at you. I hate looking at you. I hate this constant reminder of what happened to me. You're the seed of evil. You're evil. You're not allowed to come to the church with the rest of us. You will only defile the holy ground. You're nothing. Less than nothing. You'll never know love, success, or joy. You deserve nothing. I hope you die cold and alone. Thanks, Mom. And hi, Duke writes. My girlfriend of four years, right after I'd heard back from a promising interview that I didn't get the job. Quote, unquote, if I knew how things would have turned out, I would have never gone out with you. You'll never be able to make me happy. Bad things just keep happening to you. And I can't stay with someone who's doomed. This happened three days after we moved into a new apartment. After being homeless the previous four months due to a fire at our old apartment. And Fish Biscuit adds, From the time I was about seven to nine, my mom was dating a really awesome guy named Tony. The only one of her boyfriends who ever actually spent time with me and treated me like a person instead of an inconvenience to be put up with so they could bang my mom. He was the only positive male role model in my life outside of my granddad. Anyway, he stopped coming around and I began to ask about him. After much pestering, my mom finally says to me, quote unquote, he went home to Italy. He doesn't want to see us anymore and he didn't even want to say goodbye to you. I was mad for years thinking he was an asshole. Fuck him. He was just like all the others. He never cared about me. How could I be so stupid? Then when I was 13, I was talking to one of my older cousins and the topic of Tony came up and I raged about what a cunt he turned out to be. And she says, quote unquote, oh no, he didn't leave for Italy. He got cancer and died. I'm not sure which was more soul crushing. Thinking the only father figure I ever, thinking the only father figure I ever had left me without a word or finding out I wasted years being furious at him instead of mourning him. And Gatekeeper replies, My ex-girlfriend's father would regularly call his wife and three daughters, aged 5, 15, and 18 at the time, cunts. At the dinner table, while company was present, extended family, friends, whatever. Everyone just kept their heads down and tried to pretend they weren't extremely uncomfortable. I hated having to eat dinner at her house. She was an emotional mess after all the nutty shit her dad would say slash do. Stuff like, quote unquote, I really don't love your mom and I regret marrying her and having you kids. I'm really in love with this woman who I knew in high school and still talk to online. And really creepy abusive stuff about her looks and the size of her breasts. Brackets, he loved doing this in front of me with this creepy... I had her first vibe that you'll see bitter, jealous ex-boyfriends do whenever they encounter their ex with a new guy. This was just one of the many things that gave me the impression that he was sexually abusive. There were posters and paintings hung all over weird spots in the house, specifically to cover holes in the wall put there by her father when he lost his temper. He threatened his ex-wife with a gun in front of me for not having dinner ready when he, quote-unquote, felt like eating. Brackets. He was drunk and had been popping Xanax and it was about 1 p.m. Close brackets and pulled a gun on a few of his neighbors for parallel parking in front of his house. He was a lieutenant with the NYPD and somewhat of a big shot in our borough, so his neighbors were all terrified to do anything, and his family just tried to keep their heads down and not piss him off. That was a tough relationship, and I felt so bad for my ex and her mom and sisters, but specifically every time he'd call one of them a cunt at the dinner table, that would just hit me right down to the soul. It wasn't something said directly to me, but it fucking hurt. 
It's been years since that relationship ended, and I still find myself thinking about what a monster this guy was. And loquacious ads. Context. My first long-term girlfriend had just dumped me for some guy she had just met, wanted to remain friends, and was acting as though this should be a relief and an honor to me. I was young and dumb and attempted to find out why she did it because that would be totally useful information, right? The following conversation took place over email while I was at my job. I think what it was is that I'm just not attracted to people of your body shape. We dated for about a year. I did not gain or lose any noticeable amount of weight over that time. My body shape? Ha! <laughs> what? You're calling me fat? I was kidding. Yes, she wasn't. This was the first time since puberty that anyone who was not a senile old woman with less than two years left to live, had insinuated in any way that I was overweight. Cue me getting up to go to the bathroom and looking at myself in the mirror from various angles for about ten minutes. That's kind of a weird thing to say considering that I'm a pretty normal-shaped guy, but okay, whatever you say, haha. Take the out, take the out. I don't think you're normal-shaped. She didn't take the out. It's human nature. Everyone is attracted to different body types. What the Christ emoticon. Long story short, we did not remain friends. I did kind of stop eating for a while after that, though. So there's that, I guess. And Colonel Aureliano writes, Many years ago, I was having fairly vigorous sex with my then-girlfriend at her apartment. As we started to approach the final stages of our coupling, her telephone started to ring, and much to my surprise, she picked up the phone and answered the call. Somewhat nonplussed and unsure of what to do, I continued pounding away as she spoke to the caller. After a few seconds, she turned, looked me straight in the eye, and said, Do you mind? This might be important. And finally, Texas Death Trip ads. In the third grade, a piece of paper was handed to me. At the top, it said, quote, Petition for text to move away. Underneath it was the name of every student in my grade. From my father, at various times in childhood, quote, You're worthless. You can't do anything right. Quote, Your mother left because she didn't want you. Quote, You're just a waste of my time, so I'm just going to concentrate on raising your sister right. When in 8th grade, I used to write stories for fun, usually just random things about whatever made-up story I was thinking of. One day at lunch, one of my friends asked to see what I was writing. A few minutes later, one girl that was a friend of my friend's hands it to me and scrawled across a page in red marker was, quote, he's just doing this for attention. I haven't written fiction since. When I was a teenager, I moved in with my mother and sister. My sister hung out with a bunch of wannabe thugs, and one day, they were all at my house when my mother wasn't home. After seeing her friends roaming the house, I told my sister they needed to go since my mother wasn't home and my sister obviously wasn't watching them. She proceeded to get in my face about how I, quote, wasn't her boss and so on. Later that night, my mother came to my room and straight up asked if I had been stealing her jewelry, some of which had belonged to my dead stepfather. Brackets. I have never stolen anything from my parents, nor would I. After telling her what had happened, she went back downstairs and as far as I know said nothing to my sister. I never received an apology. I think I need to go outside or something now. Well, how do you feel about those stories? Are they soul crushing? Are you a terrible parent who said some of those horrible things to the kids? I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see these stories where someone will say something mean and, you know, probably just being a dick of a kid. And they'll be like, yeah, you told me this one thing offhandedly and I never wrote a story again. Makes you think about the cruelties and the whatnots. Now I've got to think about all the things I've, terrible things I've said to my children and how will they hold it against me? I won't be able to hold back. They are disappointing me even as they sleep now. Damn them. I'll never get to live out my dreams because of them. Or you, listeners. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed hearing these true stories of people's uh, suffering through the cruel words of others. I always enjoy reading things like that. It's just amazing what people will share. So, anyway, how are you? 
All right, moving on. Post-podcast discussion. We'll transition into the Lou Reads Live discussion. Lou Reads Live is happening, as I may have mentioned in the last episode, April 5th at the People's Improv Theater here in New York. I am compiling the slideshow for it now. It will be a tight 30 minutes. And, of course, People's Improv Theater has a bar, so we can all hang out afterwards. And it's two days after my birthday, so you can all, you know, I expect there'll probably be a giant cake or some sort of uh, gorilla in a tutu just to serenade me, but it'll be fun. We'll get some drinks afterwards. I will do my best to uh, entertain visitors to the live show with stories from the internet. And uh, probably going to be shooting another video or two for it. And I do have one guest reader at the moment who has been in many commercials if you live in the New York area and nationally. If you watch Verizon Fios commercials and things like that, he said he would do it. So that's great. And um, we'll see. There might be another surprise guest. You never know. And as I mentioned at the top of this episode, this uh, this podcast is being sponsored by AdamandEve.com. We're sponsored all the way through April. So I'm going to be reminding you all through April that if you are interested in getting some sex items from adamandeve.com use the Lou Reads code you will get 50% off the most expensive item in your basket free DVDs free gifts free shipping it is a good deal if you're looking to buy those things I was just looking at some stuff on uh, the website just today and you know if you wanted like a $70 high end rabbit it'd be like 35 bucks for that can't go wrong I guess <laughs> but uh, yeah so if you are in the market for adult items Sex toys. I can say sex toys. Stuff you stick your hoo-ha in or that gets stuck inside you. You can just go there, look for those things. And, I mean, is is it, is it a novelty to actually own DVDs of pornography? Um, these days, in this day and age, why not? It'd be fun to put it in. You know, they, they do interesting things with the DVD, uh, the angles and all that stuff. Behind the scenes... Don't you want to know? So if you're going to buy that stuff, go ahead and check it out. Remember, you can always uh, help out the podcast with a donation. We enjoy the donation. You can also, uh, if you need to buy stuff at Amazon or buy.com or any of those places, there are links on the blog to click through, and I get a minor percentage of that stuff. Shill. <laughs> I'm not a very good shill. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing the cuts like a knife, soul-crushing things people have said to you. Um, I enjoyed reading it for you. I hope you didn't find it too soul-crushing. I want you all to live. Anyway, my name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.